Welcome to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Join us in person for worship each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. For more information about Covenant, including discipleship and mission opportunities, visit us at www.covenantpresjackson.org. She was on the run, pregnant and on the run, alone and on the run. And she had had enough, enough abuse, enough mistreatment, so she had fled. And she was now in the wilderness, in Shur, south of the land of Canaan. She was on her way home, trying to reach Egypt, for that's where she was from. That's where she grew up. Hagar was her name. And the name comes from a Hebrew word that, that means stranger, sojourner, one who lives in a land not their own. So literally, Hagar means the stranger, the sojourner. And she was, but not by choice. For she was not her own, she was a slave. She was servant to Sarai, the wife of Abram, and she'd been with them for years, probably since Abram and Sarai sojourned in Egypt. If you remember, Abram and Sarai had, had moved to Egypt to escape a famine, and while there, Abram told the Egyptians that Sarai was his sister rather than his wife. Because of her beauty, he was afraid that the Egyptians would kill him in order to get her, so he lied. And because of her beauty, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, took Sarai to be his wife. And when he found out the truth, when he found out that she was not his sister, but his wife, he cast them out of his house. He cast them out of Egypt. But God blessed Abram. Abram left Egypt with great wealth, including servants, likely including Hagar. Now, the life of this young woman drastically changed. Going with Abram and Sarai, she left her country. She left her home. She was a sojourner. And for years, she served Sarai. Sarai was childless. She had born Abram no children, and she was well past the age of childbearing. Then and even now in the Middle East, marriage is for procreation and having a son is the goal. The woman who fails to have a son faces a life of shame. The one who fails to have a son potentially faces divorce, potentially faces polygamy. God had promised to Abram offspring. God promised to make him into a great nation. God promised that his own son would be his heir, but Sarai was childless it seemed impossible that she would have a son. <clears throat> so she offers another plan. Sarai tells Abram to take her servant as his wife so that she might bear children for him. Now, regardless of our reaction to Sarai's proposal, this was a common practice in the ancient Near East. Sarah is actually acting for Abram's honor. She's acting for Abram's posterity. She's thinking of him, but she's not entirely selfless. Listen to part of verse two again. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. Sarah's that considers the children would be her own children. Verse 
After all, Hagar was still a servant. Abram agrees to this plan. So once again, Hagar's life drastically changed. But this time she was elevated. This time she was raised up because she was no longer just a sojourner, no longer just a servant, no longer just a slave. She was now a wife and a mother. For she conceived. She bore Abram a child. Now, at this point, there's every reason to believe that this is the promised heir. For God had not yet promised that Sarai would bear a child. That comes later. The only promise was that Abram would have his own child. And here was his child. In the womb of an Egyptian slave. Now, as Hagar's status was elevated... Perhaps her pride was elevated as well. Listen, listen to part, part of verse four. And when she, Hagar, saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt upon her mistress. Or a more literal translation might be, Sarai became little in Hagar's eyes. Tension. Rivalry tension and rivalry that that boil over. Sarah feels that she has been wrong. She feels that she's being treated unfairly, and she takes it out on Abram. Listen to the words of Sarah from verse 5. May the wrong done to me be on you. Now, maybe Abram heard this more than once. Maybe he heard it day after day after day until finally he tells Sarah, behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Again, a more little reading of this would be, Behold, your servant is in your hand. Do to her what's good in your eyes. And Sarah did. She treated Hagar harshly. Afflicted her. Afflicted her. This is the same word that's used in the book of Exodus to describe the treatment of God's people by the Egyptians. Afflicted. It means being under the control of someone, subject to abuse by them, physical, mental, emotional. And so Hagar fled. She was on the run, pregnant and on the run, alone and on the run. But she wasn't really alone. As she rested by some water, a spring of water, the angel of the Lord appeared to her. Angel means messenger. An angel is a messenger of God. But this particular messenger is more than one of the heavenly hosts. The Lord himself is present in this angel. The angel appears, but God speaks. The Lord was there, revealing himself to Hagar, revealing himself through his word, because that's how God always reveals himself. Through his word. Listen to verse 8 again. Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? Notice, God calls her by name. This is the only time in our passage that anyone calls her by name. Sarai didn't. Abram didn't. They only call her servant. And we only know her name name because of the narrator, but God 
calls her by name because he knows her. He knows where she's been. He knows where she's going. He knows she's on the run. He knows her affliction. And he comes to her and he speaks to her. And this is what he tells her to do. Return to your, to your mistress and submit to her. Or more literally, return to your mistress and submit under her hand. What? Return to the hand of Sarai, return to servitude, return to affliction, return to harsh treatment. And she's just left that. But that's what God calls Hagar to do. That's God's will for Hagar. Now, does that mean that anyone who is abused and wishes to, to flee should, should stay? No. This is God's calling to Hagar. This is God's will for Hagar, not everyone. But it does point to the truth that a life of discipleship will include suffering. When the Lord calls you, you are not promised. You are not guaranteed a life of ease and peace and fulfillment. The Lord tells Hagar to return. But he also makes her a promise. He makes her an amazing promise, an astounding promise. Listen to it again from verse 10. I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. Hagar, this sojourner, Hagar, this slave, this Egyptian, this woman receives the same promise as Abram. Hagar, who had no rights, who had no resources, receives the same promise as Abram, offspring that cannot be counted. She is to return, but she returns with a promise. She is to return, but she returns with a blessing. She is to return, but she is to return with the future. And the Lord tells her that she's pregnant with the son. Abram's child within her is a son. She is to name him Ishmael which means God hears. For God heard her afflictions, God heard her cries, and he answered. He answered with promise, he answered with blessing. Hagar's life points to the future of God's people. Just like Hagar, the descendants of Abram would be sojourners. They would be strangers in a strange land. Just like Hagar, they would be slaves. They would be servants in Egypt. And in Egypt, they would suffer affliction. And in Egypt, they would cry out to the Lord, and God would hear Ishmael. And God would answer. God would save his people. Well, the Lord tells Hagar that her son, Ishmael, will be a wild donkey of a man. Now, <clears throat> now this, this donkey is not the obstinate, stupid, domesticated donkey that probably comes to your mind. That's not Ishmael. This is the wild donkey that still roam the deserts of the Middle East today. 
This wild donkey is strong-willed. This wild donkey is wild. This wild donkey is free. The message is that Hagar's son will not be a servant. The message is that Hagar's son will not be a slave. He will be free. And then after this promise, after this good news, Hagar names the Lord. No one else in the Old Testament does this. Only Hagar names the Lord. Only Hagar names the one who spoke to her, the one who called her. And Hagar names him Elroy. Which means you are a God of seeing. Or you are God who sees me. He is the God who hears. He is the God who sees. He is the God who looks after. Hagar shows that God's desire, God's plan has always been for all nations, all peoples to know him. And how does Hagar respond? She obeys. Hagar responds in faith. She returned. She went back to Abram. She went back to Sarai. She returned, but she was different because she had met the Lord. And she gave birth to Ishmael. God hears. Our New Testament reading this morning was from the Gospel of John, John chapter 4. And in our passage, the Lord speaks to another woman by the water. And this time, it's a Samaritan woman. Samaritans were despised by God's people. They were considered heretics. They were considered half-breeds. Well, this Samaritan woman was by a well. And this time, the Lord does not send an angel. This time, the Lord does not speak through a messenger. This time, the Lord is present in person. He's present in the flesh, in Jesus. For he is God incarnate, God made man. He is God's word, God revealing himself in person so that you might know him, so that you might know God's heart for you. Well, God hears, God sees this Samaritan woman. He knows her and he knows that she too is running. But she's not running from abuse. She's running from relationship to relationship to relationship. She's had five husbands. And she's living with a man who's not her husband. She is drinking water that does not satisfy. She's drinking water that will not satisfy. And what does Jesus do? He offers her living water. Water that cleanses, water that quenches, water that refreshes, water that satisfies, water that leads to eternal life. Are you on the run? Have you ever been on the run? Are you afflicted, abused? Have you wanted to flee? Have you tried? Now maybe it's, maybe it's not affliction that you want to flee or abuse. Maybe it's just a difficult relationship, a challenging situation at school or at work or, or at home. 
whether it's through the choices that you have made, decisions that you have made and regret, or whether it's through things that have just happened to you, circumstances, events, the choices and decisions of others around you. Do you feel alone? Yes, you're around other people, but you feel isolated. Do you feel alone? Do you feel like you're in the wilderness? Wandering? Lost? Struggling? Seeking a home? Are you drinking water that does not quench? Are you trying to fill your life? Are you trying to fill your heart with things that will never satisfy, whether it's relationships or entertainment or, or stuff or it's something else? God hears. God sees. If you aren't there, when you find yourself there, God hears. God sees, and he has come to you. He seeks you out. He speaks to you in Jesus Christ. He calls you by name because he knows you. He knows everything about you, everything. He knows your affliction. He knows your struggles. He knows your sin. And he offers you living water. He offers you himself, the crucified and resurrected son of God. And this living water will wash you. It will cleanse you. It will make you whole. This living water will quench your thirst. It will satisfy you. This living water will refresh you, renew you. This living water grants you eternal life. The promise of forever life. Life after death life. And all you have to do is receive it. By faith. All you have to do is believe. Like Hagar. Like the Samaritan woman. Drink. Drink and then go where the Lord calls you to go. And it may be a return to affliction. It may be back to the wilderness. But if it is, you don't return the same. If it is, you go back different because you have met the living God. You have drunk living water. You are his. You have been cleansed and you return with blessing. You return with promise. You return with life. but don't keep drinking the water that doesn't satisfy. Don't go back to that. Why would you? You've tasted the real thing. You've tasted living water given by Jesus Christ, the God who hears, the God who sees, the God who cares for you. Thank you for tuning in to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. 